Well, it's been quite a week in the life of Burnley Football Club, hasn't it? It began on Sunday with a deeply disappointing performance in a 3-1 defeat at home to Aston Villa, with another head-scratching team selection from Vincent Company that left many of us wondering if the man who masterminded the title charge last season hadn't been a little too hasty in abandoning many components of that team and going all-in on his new faces for the Premier League campaign. But before we had too much time to sink into melancholic concern, along came the Carabao Cup, rarely a source of joy for the Clarets in the Sean Dyche era, but this time a 1-0 win at Forest proved to be just the tonic the Claret Fatal needed. Some of the old guard were back. It turns out Charlie Taylor is alive and well and can indeed still play at left back. And Josh Brownhill was fit and available and not sat nursing a brew in a motorway service station with David Moyes. The game was won by Zeki Amdouni's first goal for the club in front of a wildly celebrating away end, a sight to cheer even the most pessimistic of supporters. It was assisted by a brilliant storm from midfield from Sander Berger, not sitting or holding or shielding, but creating in the final third. And then there was that wonderful fast-flowing high-speed counter-attack that almost ended in Wilson Odebert's maiden goal for the club. What a goal that would have been. But even without the finish, it offered an enticing promise of the kind of football we hope to see this season. But for every up, it seems there has to be a down. Injuries to Vitinho and Aaron Ramsey took them out of the game early, but the biggest concern was for Hamar Ekdal, stretched off with what appears to have been a very serious knee injury. No wonder that when Vincent Company was interviewed after the game, he looked dazed and confused. He'd been given a reminder of the strength in depth and options available to him, and then cruelly had those options removed. Goodness knows what has been going on in Company's world this week when it comes to the transfer window. We continue to be linked with half the wingers known to Belgium, but especially to Genk's Mike Trezor, who appears to have changed his mind half a dozen times about whether he wants to take his talents to Turf Moor. There's the daunting prospect of Tottenham at home on Saturday, but before then, there is the madness of transfer deadline day to come. By 11pm on Friday night, the window will be closed. Matt Williams, Sasha Tavalier, and the mass ranks of Twitter clarets will be able to put their phones down and take a well-deserved breather. But what will the squad look like when they do? What kind of team will VK pick to take on Angie Postacoglu's boys on Saturday afternoon? What lessons will have been learnt from the Villa game and the Forest match? And will we finally be ready to get down to business and start getting some Premier League points on the board? To discuss all of that and plenty more, I'm joined by the usual crew of Andrew Greaves, Chris Broden and Paul Woodhouse. Greavesy, let's start with that win at Forest. What were your uh, biggest takeaways from that game? Well, I think it's. I think it was a sheer amount of changes he made. I think it was only um, uh, O'Shea who kept his place from the defeat against Aston Villa. So ten changes, um, and as you said, then in in that opening, it appears Charlie Taylor is still a pretty decent left back. You know, looking at the the praise he got from the travelling Clarets. Um, Murich apparently again imperious, uh, not a lot to do apparently, but um, but kind of commanded his his area quite well. His starting positions looked and and inspired confidence in his defenders. Um, and Josh Brownell, massive part in in Amdouni's goals, brilliant. You mentioned Burge and that wonderful run that he came on, but actually you know the little header that Brownell 
uh, plays into the path of Amdouni, again, shows you what he's capable of. And, you know, we've talked a couple of times, and I think on the, the podcast on, on Tuesday, we, we did wonder whether, you know, wondered aloud whether company had been a little bit too cute with his, his, his selections. And that's a word I think you've banded about on the WhatsApp group with, you know, all of these kind of forward wingers playing across a, a front four and all that, when actually what it really needs is somebody to break deep from midfield and probably the, one of the most creative players from last season, aside from Benson Zorore, Brownhill, actually being given that chance to sit behind a forward line. Woody, no chance for us in America to watch that game because ESPN Plus shamefully opted for uh, Doncaster versus Everton, but it sounded like it, a, a little bit of a revenge of the old guard in a sense, wasn't it? It was, a, it was definitely a team that you recognised. You know, it almost felt nostalgic looking at that 11 uh, that had done so well last like, yeah. year. But uh, listening to Phil Bird uh, on Claret's player, he wasn't panicking too much throughout the game. And it seemed to be, apart from Ekdal's injury, which did go on for quite a while. They were talking about necks, knees, and so um, I think the two highlights that we saw of the of the goal and the break um, that Odebert missed um, looked very, very nice. It looked like that flowing VK Burnley football of last year. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we've turned a little bit of a corner. It did feel a bit like that, didn't it? I mean, just, just seeing the away end celebrating and and, and swift counter-attacks, it, it felt like last season again, didn't it, Chris? Yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a strange one where the, the, the week started with the PFA team from last season being being announced. Quite quite why it's so, so late in the day, but to see five Burnley players in that team was a fabulous achievement, but only one of them currently... Playing, you know, starting regular in the Premier League, it's you do feel that that sort of blueprint from last year has been ripped up a little hastily. You know, the 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 components of the side, the shape of the team, and just having that balance. You know, a, a proper left back in the three central midfielders. It just felt a lot more. You know, a bit a bit more experience rather than you know sort of you know exciting. Players, you know, very young, inexperienced players, but to having those older heads in the side against the Forest side, that you know, let's have it right. I think it was pretty much half the team that's played Forest's uh, opening uh, opening Premier League games, you know, including a certain uh, fifteen million pound centre forward up front, Chris Wood. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, the likes of Aurea in in, in there, and um, you know, if you win, any win at the City Grounds a fine win, but. Uh, you know, to come away with a clean sheet, you know, the 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 chance the break the break, you know, just lightning, one touch football, it's it's sensational. You know, it's a shame Orderbear couldn't finish it off or uh, roll Foster in. But uh, you know, to nick it, like I say, a great confidence booster as well for Amdouni. Doesn't matter, you know, who it's against, what competition it's in, for him to get up and running and to show you know that you know, little t- touch off the chest, the little touch with the head. And the volley right in front of that away fan, you know, you know the 1700 magnificent away support as usual. It's, uh, yeah, it just feels like a you know, nice little, you know, the season's finally started. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting as well on that away support, quite a lot of them were stuck on the M1. Um, for quite a while because of traffic. So I know, you know, Tony Scholes and whichever coaches he was on didn't actually get there until the second half. Literally got there and only saw the second half. So um, 
you know, you mentioned that fabulous, you know, traveling with all of the, the kind of obstacles that get put in the way. But um, I noticed uh, our friends at Turfcast have described Amduni as the Swiss Messi. And actually on a couple of the highlights vid- videos, oh, you know, wow. the little the little magician, you can see little touches, little flashes. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to go down that road and call him the Swiss Messi. But I mean, Chris, you, you picked up on that. Oh, well, I've done that. Yeah, go on then. Um, no, we're not I'm, having, I'm, not having I'm falling for it. I'm falling for it. Um, he looks. It. He looks very good. I mean, that composure, that late in the game, come on as a mm-hmm. substitute, the ball over the chest, the head, and then to take that volley, all with a goalkeeper coming out and closing him down, defender near him as well. Um, you know, I think we thought from from seeing his form in the latter half of last season that we've got someone quite special. It's that bits where he's dropping off. I think he plays the pass on halfway on the break. Yep. You know, he's dropping deep. You know what I mean? He's not that, you know, he, he is somebody who's going to come looking for the ball and, and try and shift it and try and little one touch around the corners. Um, so, yeah, like I say, just a shame we, we weren't able to to see it, you know, they have to, you know, and it looked like Sky over here almost chose the best game with Sean Dyches Everton 1-0 down to bottom of the Football League, Doncaster. But, um, yeah, plenty to be, you know, plenty to be cheerful about after we were all a little bit head-scratchy and, dare I say, a little bit depressed after Sunday. Surely yeah, Shakiri, no, definitely. Uh, surely is the Swiss Messi. <laughs> I tell that's you, probably that's probably more right to be fair. It's but, that time, isn't it? <laughs> but it's it, it, it is it's certainly a big positive that you've got Lyle Foster and Zeki Amduni both with goals on the board at the, early in the season. You know that, that just for the confidence, strikers always talk about that, don't they? That you just want to get off to the mark, and it was a really confidently taken finish from from Amduni. The big negative, obviously. Is is Ekdal's injury, which by all accounts is is a pretty bad one. Companies saying he's hoping for the best. I don't know. Have we had any further updates on that? Yeah, I think company said it weren't as severe as they thought it was going to be. It's just going to be a normal rehab now. I'd suspect that probably still means October, November time, because um, you know. I, I don't know whether he's putting a bit of a gloss on that. He said Matini or they were still assessing this morning when the press conference was on. Uh, I think Ramsey actually went off as a concussion sub. Yeah. Um, so that'll have to be two weeks, won't it? Yeah, the two-week stipulation on that was a crying shame so soon into his, his career at Burnley. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, there's always there's always ups and downs, aren't there? And always pluses and minuses out, out of these games. And, and, and certainly it was both extremes there really but I mean we're going to go into this Tottenham game and and so much is going to be you know the mood music is going to be what happens on this Friday transfer deadline Um, and it's just got absolutely outrageously absurd hasn't it really with the amount of rumours I don't think we've ever seen anything like this because we've always had links uh, we've always had those links with the knowledge in the past that probably 95% of the links are never going to come to anything in the Sean Dice, Barry Kilby, Mike Garlic eras, um, when we certainly weren't very active in the transfer market. We know we are a lot more active, but we can't possibly be going to pull off all of the people that we've listed um, over the last few days and that we've seen linked. But let's let's look at some of the ones that do, do seem to be persistent appearing i mean mike trezor 
I don't know what to say. Off, on, off, on. I mean, probably while we're recording this, there'll be a tweet from somebody saying it's changed status again. I mean, Greavesy, what, what, what does it, what, what, as we talk about this now on Thursday evening for our podcast coming out on a Friday morning, uh, what is the situation with uh, Mike Trezor? Well, there's a plane currently on Flight Tracker just doing loop de loops somewhere over the uh, somewhere over the North Sea. So I'm presuming that's Trezor Willy Wanty. But um, I mean, I'm of that I'm of that kind of. I said I said to Kim, my wife, when when we were having tea, I said I can tell Chris Borden's a veteran of transfer windows because he sent a message to our WhatsApp group basically is going on, off, on, off, on, off, yawn. And that's that's kind of what we're at. I mean, it's just been a roller coaster. I'm thinking to myself, well, if you don't want to come, then fine. You know, then I think to myself, well, we faffed him about because we were linked earlier in the se- earlier in the, the window. And of course, you know, Sasha on this podcast said he knows Burnley like him, but Burnley aren't sure what they're going to do. You know, you wonder whether his agents had a word in his ear about, well, actually, West Ham might be interested. Brentford might be interested. Brentford have decided they're going to go and splash near enough 50 million quid with add-ons on Bakioko, Johan Bakioko, who we were linked with. Um, So, gut feeling says we've got Trezor. You know, perhaps the the, the link with his teammate Pantsil kind of made him, you know, realise actually it is a good opportunity. You know, all the talk in the Belgian press was that he didn't think Burnley's style would suit him. Um, You know, if he was watching the, the highlights of the Forest game last night, surely that break that we've just been talking about is exactly what you want someone like Mike Trezor to be involved in. But... Um, you mentioned it going absurd. I mean, Cole Palmer, we were told quite confidently that, you know, he was pretty much 95% certain to come out on loan to Burnley. Chelsea have gone and spent the best part of £45 million on him with three Madness. Premier League starts. Absolutely I mean, insane. where does it end? You know what I mean? It's, yeah, I don't, I'll be glad. I've, I've enjoyed it, but I'll be glad when Jim White ceremoniously slams the window shut tomorrow. I, I mean, say. Chris, when, when you see a deal like the Bakayako one, right, where we've been linked with him and it sounded two or three days ago, I'm pretty sure these numbers start flying across screens and, and, you, and you can lose track very easily. But I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere one of the credible transfer sources on Twitter saying 18 million we were, we were looking at for Bakayoko. And now he's going for 30, he's going for double that to Brentford, 14, apparently. Yeah. Is the, with, with, so, with the add-ons and everything. So we're never in for players who are going to cost forty million. No. I don't think so. Was he ever a realistic target, or are we just being played with some of this stuff? I think you've got to. I mean, you've, you've obviously got to sort of dip your toe in the water with some of these players, and you find out where the uh, you know are other clubs prepared to take it further. I mean, the sort of gist all along was, uh, let's see if uh, you know. It, it, he wanted to help uh, PSV beat Rangers, which was an absolute formality. <laughs> I don't know why I bothered waiting for that, because that was always going to happen, wasn't it? <laughs> Especially with uh, Goldson's magnificent own goal there last night. But uh, No, no like I say, it's, they, they, they've obviously dipped their toe in. And, uh, you know, can you can you turn the player's head? Can you get him agitating? You know, we've mentioned that a couple of times. You look at Nunes at, uh, at Wolves as... Done the proper. <laughs> I'm going out on strike to force this through because I'm not missing out on a on this move to Manchester City. But uh, it, when all said and done, I think you know we, we you know we can we can sort of look back with the fondness or, or <laughs> maybe less so 
you know the transfer market dealings uh you know with with uh, with mike garlic and and, and, and sean around but uh the sort of gist then was why don't we get deals done earlier why don't we just spend the money and you get even with money to spend this summer you can't just go and click your fingers and get these deals done you know there's like a domino effect you know this this deal affects that deal you know the price is going to get bumped up on the other deal you know you I mean, the sheer amount of players who've actually, bit like Sasha was saying the other week to us on the podcast, you know, they, they, they bid for how many players around Europe and they were just waiting for the for the pieces to fall into place. You know, Somerville at Leeds that Fabrizio Romano suggesting, another one that they've, you know, we believe Masengo's pretty much done. He, he was in for his medical this morning, midfielder. Now, now follows Burnley on Instagram, apparently. So that, yeah, that pretty much well, confirms that's... it. <laughs> Follows Vitinho and Burnley on Instagram, so and Josh Brown. I presume he knows Brownie from Bristol City, but he follows Vitinho now as well. So um, and Vitinho and Sengo we're talking about Bristol City central midfielder who's been at Ogs yeah. there this season, last season. Yeah, but the same person that told me about that medical this morning suggests there might be as many as four medicals tomorrow. Wow! If Magic Mike, if Magic Mike. Might be one of those. We're still hanging on again. It seems to be like Matson's going to make his mind up. Is he going to go to West Ham or Burnley? I mean, given the choice, what do you do? You know, it's <laughs> and but were the other two? Is the other two? Uh, you know, would the other two be a, a, a centre forward, another wide player, a centre half? Given Exeter and Byers injuries, you know. Yeah, there's a lad from Benfica, of course, been been linked apparently that deal you know they reckon has been done loan deal with an obligation to buy which clicks in if we survive Taylor Harwood Bellis I don't think it's off the table you know City looking to loan him because they can't get 15 million I still think you know I still think we'll get two Premier League loans and we've not touched those Premier League loans that feels like a waste and I just think that's you know I got told earlier that we had booked several medicals in at various points as a lot of clubs do to be fair um, you know, almost in a just-in-case. Look, you book the slot, and if you can fill it, you can fill it. If not, you've wasted, you know, a couple of grand on on a private hospital or private doctor to do the medicals and things. But I got told we had pretty much every day this week booked several slots just to make sure we could get them done. Obviously, tomorrow what we don't need is the air traffic system to go down. Um, you know, we want to be kind of getting all that paperwork done and, and medicals done as soon as possible. But um, Simon, you mentioned uh, Vincent looking a little bit harassed after the game in the interview. He I did. Mean, he- He's probably just been told Mike Trezor has decided it's not for him <laughs> and uh, you've got three players injured and he's still trying to raise a smile while he's being asked, you know, um, I don't want to say any questions, but being asked questions and, and things like that. But, um, I mean, yeah. The centre-half things come up again with, with Thomas Arayo from, uh, well, Benfica is what he gets called as, but he hasn't actually really played much for Benfica, has he? But, um you know, highly rated Portugal under-21 international central defender. Um, Fabrizio Romano coming with that one very stridently and confidently, um, saying that a, a bid had gone in for him. That looks a little bit the day after. I mean, you don't know. It looks a little bit like maybe he was on a list and then suddenly Ekdal gets injured and it's like, right, okay, press that button now. Yeah, Woody, I mean, there's a, there's a reactive element to it, isn't there? But when you look at all this list of names, is there anyone standing out to you? You're thinking, 
when you wake up on Friday morning thinking, I hope that one gets done. <laughs> uh, well, it looks like Arwood Bellis is going to uh, Southampton. He's passed his medical. Um, I mean... Is that breaking I mean, news you, while we're recording, would it? Breaking news, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you'd say Trezor would be quite exciting. And allegedly, according to Sasha, about an hour ago, he said he's got his medical tomorrow as well. Dank turf. So, but Trezor, Trezor would be quite exciting. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded seeing Orwood Bellis back as an option. Um, but I think there's still a lot of uh, do's and don'ts and a little bit of excitement to go today. Pats and Dacker's one that, one that, one that's got me like intrigued. You know, I'd say I think, I think he's an interesting one because he fits that sort of, you know, central striker that we've been talking about. Um, you know, well, obviously we've got Foster there. We've got Amdouni who plays off the striker. But, you know, a player like Patson Dacker, who's impressed me on what bits I've seen him for Leicester City, you know, in terms of being a quick, strong centrals forward, um, that sounded an interesting one. But they, they paid $23 million for him two years ago. Now, you know, we can argue about valuations of players like you were saying, Chris, the other day, you know, when do you lose a bit of a value when you go in a team that gets relegated? But prices have gone up so much as well over the last year, it seems, that, like, it's hard to imagine that they'd sell him for less than what they bought him for. Yeah, it's a tough one to gauge in terms of price. But uh, certainly, remember at the time, they obviously, uh, he, he fit the Vardy profile. You know, that is someone with lightning pace, plays on the shoulder and, you know, certainly fit the mould that's been in place at Leicester for the thick end of a decade, really. But uh, I think Vardy's longevity there, he, he's just never stops, does he? He's, uh, you know, he, he was he was in and out of the side last year but forced his way back in and Dak has not really had the sustained run in the side that uh, you know, he, he'd along for. So if he... He was to be available. I would do. I'd, I'd be excited by that one. I think he's a you know a, a real a real player. You know, he's a bit more experience as 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 well. You know, international footballer. But uh, if if I could go out and get a get a Pats and Dacker, I'd be thrilled with that. Yeah, I asked. I asked a few. Um, well, I put it out and tagged the kind of Leicester City hashtag in asking. Um, you know, what what is he like? Because he scored the hat trick, didn't he, against Spartak Moscow to, um, I think last October. Um, and a bit of you know, a bit of kind of you know, a bit of a damp squib. You know, doesn't know how to use his pace. But a couple of people really kind of, you know, works hard, fast, decent finisher. And as you said, Chris, you know, someone said he reminds me so much of Vardy during his first couple of years there. Issue is he hasn't really kind of had that consistency of games. He's been in and out of the side. Um, somebody else thought that he'd, you know, he, he'd do well, tidy finisher, lethal, real potential. Somebody else said that, you know, he just wouldn't fit the kind of um, one of the boards I was looking at basically said when Rodgers was in charge, he'd do really well for a dash or, a, you know, somebody who likes to play balls into a forward, balls beyond, um, you know, lots of managers he'd play well with. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of Leicester fans who interacted with me yesterday said, you know, they really believe he's got that potential. Now, you had these stats from um, from when he was at Salzburg and it is an incredible um, what is it? Something like fifty odd goals and eighty odd appearances when he was when he was at Salzburg. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I think you know, clearly looking at Somerville at Leeds, 
he's looking for a forward, isn't he? He's looking for a forward, perhaps a central player. You know, I just think, you know, I'm hoping Matt's going to be, Matt Williams is going to be very, 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 very busy tomorrow. Um, and that we, we get all these deals done, dusted over the line, ready for, you know, some of them at least to be able to play on, on Saturday if needed. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be, there's, there's one or two come up and you sort of think, really, are we still talking about that? I mean, the the one today that that got me was Jack Clark. Are we are we still being linked with Jack Clark? Is he does he still fit into the picture? Anyone? No, it seemed a strange one. Like I said, given given the uh, the amount of promising young wide players, you know, and again, you you look at that English premium, fifteen million pound or so. But the the, the encouraging thing is though, I, I I said before the window closes tomorrow, I think. Alan Pace, you know, Burnley Football Club are going to, you know, this whole, this money's burning all in their pocket. They're going to spend it, no matter who it's on, they're going to spend it. Which That's the exciting thing for Burnley, Burnley fans. You're going to have a significant, you know, multi-million pound deal tomorrow at minimum, I, I think. It's, uh, it's it's unseen of, isn't it, in, in, in Burnley Football Club history, really. Yeah, I'd like, I'd, I'd personally like one of them to be an absolute mega deal, though. I'd rather I'd rather have one player coming on thirty five million that is going to make a massive difference to the season than two or three other players who are they going to be in the squad are they going to be in the starting eleven you know because I mean now the way the money the way the money has gone in this in this window we are talking about ten fifteen million for players who might not be starters you know which is incredible to think about what you know it's fifteen million is the club record. Uh, purchased for years, hasn't it? It's been, yeah. I mean, what was that? Chris Wood, Ben Gibson, yeah, all hovering around that, isn't it? But what I do think, I mean, there was talk on the Athletic today that we'd had a loan bid for Eric Dyer turned down, and I wonder whether mm. that is as a centre midfielder. I'll throw that name in. I, th- I think I've thrown this name in before. Is the kind of the the big deal a wages deal, and somebody like Calvin Phillips? You know, do you go to City and kind of go, right, you know what, if Harwood Bellis is going Southampton, fine, get the lad in from Benfica if we want a defender in. You know, I think we saw Delcourt played quite well as a left-hand side centre-half, you know, so does he plug the gap for now while we're waiting for Bayer to come back? We've still got Alda Keel who can play there, you know, or we bring in Taylor back in, if not, is Matson coming back in? So there's all these variables, but do we kind of go, you know, the big money deal is not going to be a £35 million signing is the big money deal going to be, well, actually, it's going to be Eric Dyer and we're going to have to fund 80% of his wages, which comes in at, God knows what, 110, 120 grand. And we justify it by going, well, actually, that's not cost us a fee. Or if it has, it's cost us a couple of million quid loan fee. I just wonder whether that's the thinking, you know, because I think it's clear, you know, I think it's really clear that, you know, company is not, it, it feels like there's this scattergun approach but I think everything is backed up with intent. I think everything is backed up with data. I think everything is backed up with a, a, a belief and a desire to craft the best team that that we will have. And I think as well, I have to say, um, and this is rare on the podcast, hashtag the agenda, to have a chairman who is willing to back the manager to the degree that Alan Pace and the ALK board has done, and we can probably talk about finance in a few minutes. I think that is a really refreshing thing. Now, 
you know, whether it all comes goes to hell in a handcart in two or three years' time and we're all sat here, you know, recording, you know, National League playoff special because we've been relegated out of the Football League due to financial irregularities. I don't know. But what I will say is fair play to him. Alan Pace, little Al, backing his manager to the hill. You want, you know, you want this player, we'll go after them. There is a limit, and I think Sean was a bit like that as well, and VK is a bit like this. You know, they know value of players. You know, clearly Matson. If we could have spent twenty million quid on Matson, clearly the money's there. But VK clearly looked at that as a businessman, as well as a football manager, and went, "His cap is twelve million. We're not paying a single penny more than twelve million. We're not going to panic. We've got somebody else who we can bring in if need be." And I think that's the really refreshing approach to to the way we've done it, rather than, you know, <laughs> and it did feel a bit like Trezor was going to become our. Lansbury or our Andrew Driver or our, you know, insert name of you know, our new Dale Stevens and we get him in, you know, 10 years time when he's 34 and he's finished. I don't know. But praise to Alan Pace. You know, I don't say it often. I'm still pissed off about the pie situation last Sunday. Um, but fair play to him for backing Vincent Company and having that trust in him. I think we have to have that trust in VK as well. That tomorrow could possibly go down as one of the most maddest you know it almost feels like when Rubinho signed for Man City there could be VK stood there with you know anybody holding a shirt up tomorrow and that is when have we ever said that before at Burnley Berbatov (laughs) Bambo we're getting Bambo back finally he's going to realise his dream what do you you make of all this what do you make of all this that's I mean that's quite a picture painted there by Andrew I know it's exhausting though isn't it you know, it's like trundling and desperately clinging on to any faint rumour of the past is long gone. You're just like sick to fucking death of on, off, on, off, etc. And like you could have Eden Hazard on Friday morning and then he's then his brother in Friday afternoon, any old twat could turn up and it could be absolutely fabulous. But I, I do I must admit I do like Greaves's uh, little theory about the, the, the top marquee signings being loans. That makes a that makes a hell of a lot of sense. I do like the idea of Calvin Phillips trotting up and uh, struggling with our pies. Exactly what this team needs is Calvin <laughs> Phillips. Exactly the missing piece, to be honest. I mean, if you were if you were to draw up the identical footballer for what that team against Aston Villa was missing, it was a big, strong central midfielder protecting, allowing Sanderberger to go and do runs like he did at Forest allowing Cullen to play his game, pinging balls out wide to wingers, which is what he did at Leeds United and what he was supposed to do at Manchester City. You know, he's an England international midfielder who would have probably, had it not been for his injury, kept his place alongside Declan Rice in Gareth Southgate's system right the way through. You know, this whole period. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Leeds have been linked with Jeff Hendrick, which would be just a nice little about, about... Turn if we were to take Calvin Phillips and they were to get Jeff Hendrick, they're just a how how times have changed sort of thing. Yeah, it's a little bit of Chardonnay. But yeah, that, that for me fact, would be very amusing. I will be happy. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and we'll go around and do this now. But I'll, I'll say I will take Patson Dacker and Calvin Phillips, and that'll do me. That'll do me tomorrow. So, Chris. What what would you take if you were if you were to take two or three? 
We might end up with more, as we said, but <laughs> I really like Magic Mike. I've, you know, from what I've seen of him, I'm really excited. Uh, and if it's uh, you know the latest toss of the coins come down on uh, on, we'll, we'll we'll take that. And uh, a centre half, I said, I'd love it to have been Harwood Bellis. If it's to be uh, some kid from Benfica instead, then so be it. <laughs> Greasy. Where you're going on? Where's your two or three falling down on? Phillips, definitely. I, I've thought that for a couple of weeks. As <laughs> soon as it came out that City were, you know, willing to let him go out on loan to to almost rehabilitate the the, the playing time. You know, we know he's injury free. You know, we've seen sparks when he played back end of last season. I think he would suit this system. I absolutely could not agree more when you were saying um, it's what we needed. And yeah, I'm, I'm with Chris. I mean, let's just say we're going to play Charlie Taylor at left back. So we don't, we don't have to worry about a left back in my kind of ideal world. Charlie suddenly kind of, you know, VK's realised that he can play left back. First time he's seen him play left back, I think. Magic Mike for me, Mike Tressor. I think he was the one I was excited about right at the start of the window when there was that faint whiff of a possibility. So yeah, Phillips and Trezor for me, Simon. Would he go on? Say Eric Dyer. Go on. I'm going to say Eric Dyer. <laughs> Eric Dyer and Phillips, just to shore it up a little bit at back. But I'd be, you know, you'd be quite happy with Dakar and you'd be quite happy with Trezor, which is not the question that you asked. But it, I, I wouldn't say no to Eric Dyer. I think it'd be a lot cuter than uh, we give it credit for. But definitely Phillips. That'd be lovely. Really would. As someone well, was saying oh, today, though, what, yeah, we'll say what happens if. Uh, Someone from the long side gives Eric a bit, a bit of grief. You know, he's going to be uh, climbing over the fences there, isn't he? <laughs> that was one Burnley fan's view today, so I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> well, it's more like to be Bob Lord stands, isn't it? Which that could be quite entertaining, actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, what will fact it all will all will be revealed uh, throughout Friday. Um, I suppose we should look a little bit ahead to Saturday. Um, even though we don't know what kind of squad we're going to have available, but let's presume let's presume that these signings aren't going to be uh, ready to make their debuts on Saturday, even though they're in the door. Might be a few of them walking out onto the pitch and uh, and and waving to the fans and and, and a buzz around Turf Moor with those signings. But um, what do you think Company does, having seen what he's seen at Forest, having been given? A pretty strong nudge from a few of those players that he's put to one side, let's say, for the first couple of games. Do we see a sort of compromise on what he was trying to do in the first couple of games, Greavesy? Yeah, I think we do. I think, you know, I think he's he's pragmatic. You know, he's he's I think there's a stubbornness there. And, you know, he wants to craft the team in his image in the Premier League. But I think there's certain things, you know, I'm not sure he'll change goalkeeper, if I'm really honest. I think he will stick with with Trafford. Um, but certainly, I think Brownhill, I think Charlie Taylor, if we, you know, we don't get a left back in before 12 o'clock, because let's be honest, I think all signings will have to be registered before 12 to be eligible for Saturday. Um, mm. You know, so there is that, you know, and then it's kind of two weeks, you know, till the next game. But I do, I think we will see a slightly changed lineup. You know, I think Amdouni keeps his place. You know, perhaps Kali Osho um, drops out and we see Johan start because I think he's been impressive when we've we've seen Johan come on, you know, or perhaps Redmond. Um, you know, I think Foster keeps his place and perhaps plays more central. 
kind of up, up top because I think he's probably done enough over, well, two man of the match appearances so far in the Premier League at Turf Moor. I, I kind of see that continuing. But I think he'll know that actually alongside Burge in that middle of the park, we're going to have to shore it up a little bit. There's going to have to be something in there, especially against Spurs. I've been super impressed with... Um, Postacoglu since he came in. I mean, A, he seems like an absolutely top bloke. Um, but B, he's got that midfield, Spurs midfield three, really, really working. He's bringing players back in from, you know, the wilderness. I think Saar, is it? who was out of favour with Conte, didn't really get a sniff. He's looked fabulous. And I think, you know, a bit like with Villa, unless we stamp our authority in the middle of the park, we're going to get overrun and that will cause the problems further forward, will nullify the way we play. So I think, you know, he'll know. He said in his press conference that he's followed Postacoglu in Japan, at Celtic, now at Spurs. I think he'll be pragmatic and we will see changes again. I don't think it'd be quite as wild as the last two games. Do you agree, Woody? I think I do. Yeah, a lot of it, like you say, he's, he's been able to shore, shore it up. And bringing, I mean, he, he has trusted Goodmanson to do to do this job previously. I think he'll come in and tighten things up, etc. Um, so yeah, I think he's just got to be a little bit more structured, um, especially against his Tottenham side. Like you say, they'll pass us, they'll pass us off any park. They genuinely will. So we do need to have something in that in the middle of that park. Have you, have you had a chance to see much of Spurs, Chris? Yeah, I've I've seen uh, you know some fairly in 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 depth uh, discussions on Spurs, you know, primarily on 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 Sky Sports and what have you. But uh, yeah, I was just saying about Postecoglou when he was being asked about uh, you know his system, he was just joking. He said, "I'm just just copying Pep." You know, that was the sort of, <laughs> the sort of just you know Gary Gary Neville had done his analysis and he was sort of like looking at the similarities. I think mean, we're all just living in Pep's world, aren't we? We're all uh, trying to play, you know, it's, unless you can play like Brazil 70, you're going to play like Guardiola, aren't you? It's, uh, it, everyone wants, you know, the, the fullback sort of uh, coming into midfield, you're, you're inverting uh, inverting the fullbacks, you know, almost a front six at times, you know, the the, the, the carousel, putting the ball on the on the carousel and uh, passing teams to death. But uh, it's... I'd just opt for Brownell. I'd, I'd, I'd play Brownell in that uh, that central three. Uh, I probably agree. Maybe Burge off the front. Uh, I'd say it has to be if it's Matson comes through the door or left. But if we have to play an out and out left back, and you know Charlie Taylor has to play if there's nobody comes through the door tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, I'd say Foster Foster's earned the right, hasn't he? Now he's got he's got the shirt. Yeah, it's who he plays as. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's wider forwards. Maybe Amdouni goes wider. You know, he's played sort of in, ahead of Foster, sort of off Foster. It's uh, he might have to play a wider role, maybe. And uh, I say I'd like to see Redmond or someone like you know, I, or, or Goodmanson in that one of that wide forward roles. Really, just, just a bit more, bit more nails, bit more experience. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think. I think, you know, I really do hope he, he does do that company because I think if he puts out the same sort of formation and team that he did against City and Villa, we're asking for trouble against Spurs, I think. Um, and, and there should have been enough signs there 
in i mean i've seen people come with all sorts of theories about you know oh company knows it's not his strongest team he's just blooding these lads so they've got the experience and i i don't buy that i think he i think he went out there and thought these are my young guns this is these are ones that i'm backing this this season they're going to do it for me these are the lads you know they've got to fight their way back into the team and so on and uh, and i think that performance at forest from a few of them was them fighting their way back into the team you know, and it is a it's a massive positive that someone like Charlie Taylor, who, as I was saying on the last podcast that I spoke on, I was saying, you know, I think he's been treated pretty badly. Um, but his response is to go out there and give a good solid display against Nottingham Forest. He's not sulking, he's not he's not been in the press talking about wanting to leave, he's not been linked with any moves. Sounds he, a bit he, of fine he, thing, right? Well, maybe, yeah, but you know, but he went out there and and delivered, and and the other players have done the same. I mean, Brownhill, when he was, you know, I was sort of looking at them when he tweeted the team of the year thing out, and you sort of thinking to yourself, he could have dropped a sarcastic little comment in there, couldn't he? Having been uh, left out, and he didn't, you know. Um, so yeah, I hope he does draw the lessons from from that Forest game, and and I think we could because we need a point out of that game against Spurs. I think. I think we do. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a tough ask again, but um, we can't go through the season saying these aren't the games that we need to win. We can't keep saying that every week. You know, I know it's a tough start to the season, but it has, we have to start picking up some surprise points, you know, here and there, don't we? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I think that does us for this week. Um, it's all going to be uh, unveiled as we all enjoy Friday and the madness that is to come. And we'll be back soon to uh, evaluate it. We'll see how quickly we can do that after Friday's deadline closes. But uh, until then, enjoy your football and all the best. Don't forget to follow us on social media at B-Hole Podcast on Twitter and everywhere else. Do please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. It really does help us... Uh, get up the charts and also get noticed by other Burnley fans who haven't had the pleasure of listening to this podcast. So all the best and have a great weekend. Cheers. 